Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Giuliani is here with us. Andrew, how wonderful that we are going to be able to speak with each other on a weekly basis. How are you doing, my friend? Well, Bo, thank you so much for the invitation. And I just got to tell you, the one thing that I would even add to that is that Mayor Adams actually invited this problem to New York City. I remember a year ago, he called Greg Abbott a racist. He continually yep. dared them to send up immigrants to, uh, you know, these asylum seekers to New York City. And he even came in and greeted the first ships. We told him at the time that uh, that this was a disaster waiting to happen. And it seems like his ego has gotten in the way, and he certainly has chewed off far more than he bit off far more than he can chew. You got that right. Andrew, let's talk about these indictments. Okay, yeah. number one, I have seen a plethora of esteemed lawyers, some of them not partisan, by the way, some of them who just do law, they don't do politics. And the majority of what I've read is that they're saying, oh, come on, on this last indictment, yeah. there's no crime here. This is all, this is not, this shouldn't have even been brought once again. And of course, then we have the unindicted co-conspirators. I know that hits hard. Talk to us about your take, but, but there are people defending this and saying, yeah. oh yeah, we finally got Trump now. Oh, this is, this is justice has to be done. What is your take on these indictments that the president is going to have to deal with this afternoon? Well, I've been hearing those people say that for the last seven years. It's probably the exact same people that you and I have been seeing over that stretch saying the exact same thing, whether it be Russia, whether it be the two impeachments, whether it be the three previous indictments, and now this one. You know, it's funny, Bo, on my Sunday show, I actually predicted this. I had a caller call in and ask if Devin Archer does testify, do you think that there's going to be a coming indictment on Trump? I said, if Devin Archer testifies on Monday, if in fact he goes through with it, my prediction is they will they will indict Trump by Tuesday or Wednesday. And sure enough, by Tuesday, they did indict him. Look, I think anybody who looks at this from an unbiased lens has to see this for what it is as completely political. And I'm actually here in a uh, in a few short days going to my wife's homeland of Lithuania for a week. And I can tell you that over there, when they look at what's happening to the United States of America, it reminds them so much of the Stalinist show trials that they saw in Eastern Europe here just 60, 70 years ago. And that's really what it feels like, sadly, with these indictments. Why do you think that uh, there were unindicted co-conspirators? What is your theory, your theory about that, Andrew? My theory is that's a warning sign, probably from Smith and the Justice Department, saying that, hey, look, you know, you comply with us and we won't bring the weight of the Department of Justice uh, onto you. Uh, so that's my guess on that one. Um, you know, just the same way that I would look at the letter that was sent to Devin Archer on Saturday by the Department yes. of Justice requesting the uh, uh, sentencing for him. They knew they weren't going to stop him from testifying on Monday, but I think they thought they can control what he was going to say, basically saying, if you reveal too much, if you say the wrong things, we are going to come after you with the full weight, not this, not just of the Department of Justice, but of the United States government. So that's the way that I view it with these co-conspirators. All right, Andrew, I don't know whether it's appropriate to ask you for your crystal ball, 
but I'm going to ask anyway. And so, all right, look at these. eight. Now, we're close to 80 charges now against Trump, and we have yet to get to what's going to happen in Georgia. Already you've got a Georgia sheriff saying, oh, salivating. Oh, he's going to do a mugshot unless somebody tells me different. Oh, no. So you know the handcuffs and the mugshot are going to come out in Georgia. Yeah. Looking at your crystal ball. Look, they're trying to drain Trump's campaign dollars so that they have to get all diverted into legal defense, number one. Bingo. They're trying to interfere with the election. How do you think all of this plays out? It's a great question. I think they're going to continue to go after him. I think you're absolutely right. That's the intent. It's to make sure that they are draining the campaign dollars in there. That way, Biden can Biden or whoever the nominee ends up being. We're not we're not sure it's going to be Biden at this point. Right. I could see it being Newsom or somebody else potentially. But whoever Trump has to run against, they want him to deplete all of his money and have it put it into these legal defense defense things. But, you know, it's tough to actually see how this is going to play out because the DOJ is so partisan. I mean, when I think about Washington, D.C., and you think about actually what a jury would look like in Washington, D.C., you got to remember that Trump in the last two elections won six and four percent of Washington, D.C. And in a grand jury, you don't need a unanimous verdict. You just need 51 percent. So it's nearly impossible, especially specifically with this judge that got assigned to the case, to think that Trump is going to have a fair trial and a fair jury right now in Washington, D.C., not just to mention what else is going on in Georgia. I think he's got a shot at a fairer jury in Georgia. But this prosecutor actually really reminds me a lot of Letitia James in the sense that she seems like she is openly out there campaigning politically, talking about how we're going to go get Trump. Right. We're, we're going to make sure that no matter what we do, we're going to get that mugshot, as you said. We're going to make sure we get him in cuffs right there. That doesn't sound like somebody who is a steward for equal justice under law and somebody who believe, believes in our constitutional rights as Americans. That sounds like somebody who's running for office in a highly partisan time. Uh, and it's really sad to see that to DAs, to, uh, to attorney generals around the country, and to even our attorney general here uh, in, uh, in Washington. Andrew, I'd like you to hold through the break. I, w- I have one or two other questions for you, and then we'll pick up. And if we can, we'll get some calls in. But let's just see how, how the time flies. James Golden, AK Sterling with you here at WABC. Oh, yeah, baby, on August 3rd, 1996. Los Del Rio broke it with this one, and they broke the house. It became a national craze. You remember it. The Macarena on WABC Talk Radio 77. Andrew Giuliani is with me, and we both will return. Hopefully, we'll be able to get to a call or two of yours, too, so don't go away. Rome is of another day. August 3rd, 1926. I've been terribly alone and forgotten This voice Manhattan. came into the world. I'm going home. 1955, a number one hit with Stranger in Paradise. A decade later, day. 1965, this I iconic song. My heart. Tony Bennett, heavenly birthday today. 
Born August 3rd, 1926. Another heavenly birthday, ladies and gentlemen. John Graham. Guitarist, EWF, Earth, Wind, and Fire. The heavenly birthdays just roll on on WABC Talk Radio 77. We have with us Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, let me ask you this question, please. And then let's see whether we can squeeze in a call. Yeah. I have yet to see the Republicans, the elected Republican class in Washington, D.C., standing in front of the Capitol, unified, saying, this abuse of the American judicial system threatens our republic and must stop. I've yet to see any consistent messaging from the Republican Party about the political price that Democrats will pay for this. What happens if this goes unanswered politically by Republicans, and why aren't Republicans standing out there as outraged as most of the Republican base are? It is a great point, and I guess the thing is, what's to stop them from doing it again, right? What would stop them from doing it again and continue to do this and utilize this basically uh, as a template for candidates in the future, for whoever it is? I mean, it's amazing to see what they continue to throw at President Trump. I actually spent the morning with him at Bedminster before he went down to D.C. and before he was getting indicted. And, you know, the thing that he said to myself and a and a few other friends that were that were around him was, you know, the funny thing is, this doesn't even bother me at this point. He said the first indictment, it bothered me a little bit. The second indictment, a little bit less. And by the third indictment and now I'm not even bothered by this at this point because he sees just how political this actually is, this action. It's, it's horrendous to me to actually see this. And I think you have to ask yourself, when does it end and how does it end? How do we actually get our constitutional republic back where we can trust our justice system, where we could trust our Department of Justice? And I think at the very least, congressional Republicans need to be standing out on the steps of that Capitol and addressing the American people, each and every one. And look, if many of the left on the media won't cover it, then that's their default in the media. But we know we would cover it. We know certainly there would be other outlets, other fair outlets that would cover it. And at the very least, they can go out there and show that unity and show the American people that they're standing up for equal justice under law. Mary and Bud Lake, you're on with Andrew Giuliani and you're on with Bo Snurley. How are you this afternoon, Mary? Oh, I'm thrilled that you called on me. And hello, Andrew Giuliani. You are a treasure. And Mr. Golden, you are a treasure. I have a, an old, very old Irish um, protection prayer. that, And it's not long. And I'd like to send it out for Trump now as he's needing it. Adore quickly, the please. Lord, darling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Adore quickly. The Lord. Mm-hmm. Adore the Lord dying on the gallows tree, save us. O holy cross of Christ, see us safe through. O holy cross of Christ, ward off from us all things that are evil. O holy cross of Christ, ward off from us all sharp repeating words. O holy cross of Christ, guide us the right way to happiness. O holy cross of Christ, see us safe through. O holy cross of Christ, lead us to life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Let us quickly go to Gail in Connecticut. Gail, you're on with Andrew Giuliani and Bo How are you, Gail? 
Yes, I'm okay. How are you, Bo? Fine. Um, Got to move I'm, quick. Okay. I'm wondering why the American people, some of us, can't join in um, charging the leftists with an impartial attack on Trump. Uh, doesn't the Constitution guarantee that the judge and the jury will have to be impartial? And they're obviously Andrew, not. what about that? What about the what about we have seen mm-hmm. this blatant political action? How yeah. do you defend this with the Constitution? You know, I think you have to go and look right at the heart of the Department of Justice. And, you know, this is not the FBI in particular, but at the FBI. And you could see just how rotten they've become, how political they've become. I would really say since Eric Holder, it feels like the DOJ became far more political under the Obama administration, first with Holder, then with Lynch. And now certainly we're seeing it supercharged with Garland. So I think in terms of fixing it, what you've got to do is you've got to root this thing out. And my suggestion would even be, hey, take this thing, take the Department of Justice and move it outside of the Beltway. Maybe not even to like Alexandria, Virginia. Move it somewhere else in the country. That way you're not going to get these people that are affected by the D.C. social scene because you've seen this both time and time again. You know how many people end up becoming Mr. Smith goes to Washington with the right intentions and all of a sudden they get corrupted by the wrong reasons right there. So in terms of what you do in the short term in all this, I think you need to have somebody who's going to have the willingness to go in there and who's going to root out all of these, sadly, corrupt prosecutors that we're seeing. So many of these judges that have become so political in all this. I just look at this judge who's dealing uh, with this case uh, in D.C., and it's so apparent. We already know what she would potentially rule, how she would potentially uh, turn the case considering how she's ruled against these January 6th defendants. So there's no impartiality in my mind, and it certainly doesn't feel like it's something that the founding fathers uh, would, uh, would, would at the very least uh, support. You know, one of the things that has to be done, they have to be defeated politically. Yeah. We yeah. must use this as an instrument to defeat them. We cannot clean up the mess that they've made, unless we operate the levers, when I say we, unless people who understand, and I, this goes beyond politics to me. I would also suggest that that messaging should be to people on the other side of the aisle who respect the republic and who see this naked political power grab for what it is, that we ask them to join in too, to save this republic. Andrew, that's the time we have. Thank you. Thank you, Bo.